Welcome to Money Matters Podcast, where we strive to educate and empower you to make smart choices with your money. We believe people don't typically plan to fail. They simply fail to plan. Here are your hosts, Mike and Matt. Welcome to Money Matters Podcast. My name is Mike Herman. Glad to have everybody on here listening to our podcast today. I'm joined with Matt Couture, my business partner in crime. Matt, how are you? Doing very well, Mike. Glad to be here today. Welcome back. Great. Yep. It's good to be back on this podcast again. We're following up on our foundation planning. We did have a class or a podcast, I guess I should say, on foundation planning that now we're breaking out into the individual parts of your risk management protection, which today we're going to talk about disability protection or what some people call income protection and critical illness coverage. And with us as a guest today, we have Hunter Wyckoff, who last year was our insurance specialist. I guess we called our insurance planner. Today, I guess I can per se, you're a true financial advisor. You passed your securities exam and everything. So congratulations. You're moving into the fee-based financial planning world, Hunter. Yes. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me. Glad to be back. It's always great to chat with you guys. Good. Good to have you today. So if any of you have listened in the past, you've known that we have our, we had our risk management class as a whole, talking about that part of your foundation planning. And again, today we're breaking it down into the second part of the risk management pieces that are in your foundation planning. The first one we did was long-term care planning, which we already put out there, which I think people should listen to. It's a very good piece on information. I don't think people really understand how long-term care comes into play. And then today we're, again, going to add in critical illness coverage as well. And then a podcast coming up next month will be on life insurance planning and how to protect yourself and what's the right pieces of life insurance and then how that's also going to fold into having your proper estate planning in place. So without further ado, we're going to get moving today and talk about disability insurance, Matt. So I think probably the thing that's most alarming to me in the 34 years I've, I've done this, been in business in both insurance and financial planning, is the amount of people that don't have disability income protection. It's it's startling. And I don't, I don't think people realize how important that piece is, right? It's, it's the old story about the goose that laid the golden eggs, right? Yeah, exactly. What, which one are you going to insure, the goose or the eggs? <laughs> the goose, of course, right? We're all the goose, right? If we're out there working and earning a living and bringing home a paycheck, I mean, there are those people, whether it be a stay-at-home mom or dad that maybe isn't bringing home a paycheck, and you know, what they do at home is still very important. But, but when it comes to your income that you use to pay for your everyday bills, your expenses, your mortgage, your car, your rent, your food, your clothing, if you don't have that, it's it's a pretty tough situation. As you know, we've had clients, both young and middle-aged, that have become disabled. And it's been a freak accident or sickness that came about. And I think it, people don't understand how hard it is to acquire and get Social Security disability benefits, which we'll talk about later as we go in. But Matt, what do you, you know, you're a younger person uh, than I, of course, much younger, 20 years. What do you think being in your 30s, how does a person understand or get around the fact that they should have their income protected when a lot of younger people in their 30s and 20s even think they're just invincible, like nothing's ever going to happen to them? Sure. That's that's probably the biggest challenge of maybe overcoming my own ego that, you know, I'm invincible and nothing's going to happen to me. But when I look at just uh, just the statistics of it, I've got house insurance to insure my house. Well, I don't know. What, what are the odds of my house burning down, Mike? Right. One in 14,000 well, or something, probably you know, a large number, right. And uh, I insure my car and insure all of our other, our, all of our other things. But when it comes to my income, you know, there's a 
there's a fairly good chance I'll experience some type of disability or time out of work between my career work in 25 to 65. That's a long time, right? Right. I think the odds are pretty significant. That's why that's why I took the onus to protect my income. And Hunter, having you here today, you're even younger than Matt. You're about what? 20, so 12 oh, years younger. Exactly. So now at 24, what do you see out there with people that are your age? Probably even worse, right? I mean, as far as thinking they're invincible, nothing's going to happen to them. They ski, they board, you know, they may motocross. They, I mean, they're young people are just so active. And we had it happen in our office with an advisor who was here earlier. You remember Justin? Sure. Worked for our company. And he had a friend of his that was in a motocross accident in Moab and took a very serious fall, 30 foot drop off fall, uh, paralyzed from the neck down, eventually paralyzed from the waist down. I haven't seen Justin in a while to understand where the guy was, but he was still in about his ninth or 10th month of rehab at Craig wow. Rehabilitation when this happened. I think he was only 24 years old. So what are your thoughts, Hunter? What do you see when you see younger people and you're communicating with them about this? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting when talking with younger people, and I've been working with quite a few younger, newer families where they just had a, a child or just bought a house. And from what I've seen is similar to myself, maybe being single, don't have a lot family-wise, don't have children yet. They don't see that as much of an importance. But then once they've had a child or have a spouse, then... And especially in the, the males side, talking with them, from what I've heard, they've said that those people depend on them. So that comes top of mind very quickly, especially when it's brought up and they understand it a little bit easier than, say, the 24 year old who is single, doesn't have any children. Right. Gotcha. So it's those big life events that really help bring that topic to light for people I've seen especially in the last six to eight months. Right. So Matt, so let's, you know, once we get, you know, it's kind of getting past that philosophical thing about, you know, maybe people live in denial. They don't want to ever think they're ever going to be disabled. But when we had the law change here in Colorado from no fault to tort, no fault insurance, car insurance used to cover disability income up to a certain percentage of your income. Today, that isn't there. You have to go back and literally probably sue the person that hits you if their fault, if it's your fault, you're kind of out of luck. I mean, if you're out of work for six, nine, 12 months from a car accident, mm -hmm. let's talk about the different types of disability insurance, Matt. And right now there's, of course, an employer provided plan, which is short term and then also long term disability provided through your employer if available. Talk a little bit about what what makes that up and how is it different from individual disability insurance? Sure. Well, one of the easiest ways I see, Mike, for people just starting out like Hunter Simon, the 20, 20 year old, 30 year olds. If you have short-term, long-term disability at work, that's a very easy way to, I guess, get a, a good start on it. And what we found is a lot of people don't have enough emergency reserve there. If I can't work for three, six, nine months, then where where am I going to pay my bills from? And I, I ask a simple question, you know, could you afford to take a 90-day vacation? And what do a lot of people right. say? No. No, I can't. So, and on that emergency reserves too, you talk about that. Even if you're in your mid thirties and you've got a fairly good amount of, let's say you're making forty thousand and you got fifteen thousand put away in emergency reserves, how long did it take you to accumulate that emergency reserves? And if you're making forty thousand dollars a year, you're making roughly about three thousand a month net. Sure. That emergency reserves is gone in three or four months. It probably took you four or five years, six years to save that up. Exactly. Which is another reason. So go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, no, here. that's uh, it comes down to those those work plans. A lot of times the short term 
sometimes companies will pay for the long-term disability as a benefit for their employees in the short term is typically dirt cheap because everyone gets enrolled as a group together. So, you know, as a bare minimum, I think if, if, if I'm walking around without disability insurance, understanding that that's my most important asset, my ability to work, then I'm going to want to at least get with an advisor, you know, and have them look at these plans and, and look at getting signed up. Yeah. And you bring up a good point. You know, the other thing about group short-term, long-term disability, a lot of times is depending upon the employer, how many employees are on the plan. A lot of times those plans can be guaranteed insurability, which means even if you have a health condition, you can still apply and get that coverage and retain that coverage. And I don't know if people really understand how important that is. I don't think so. You know, if you've been diagnosed as a young diabetic or you've got a heart issue or, you know, pre-existing medical conditions, typically most group plans will do like 12 on and then covered. So you basically won't be covered for the first 12 months mm-hmm. on the plan, but after that you're covered for that condition. And that's, that's really unusual because that isn't the same thing in the individual marketplace as we'll talk about next, but and then you mentioned also the cost. It's very affordable. Again, most employers pay for most of the short term, and it's a very small deduction out of their paycheck for long-term disability. One of the things that is a concern for people who do have a group long-term or short-term disability at their work is when the employer pays the premiums, right, Matt? The benefit then, they usually get about 60% of their gross salary, but yep. then it's taxable to them. So they only end up with Depending upon their tax bracket, maybe 40, 45% of their benefit. They could still have a gap there. What happens in that situation? Well, a lot of times if that's the scenario, I've got to look at, can I afford to live on 40% of my salary? And for most people, that's no. And that's, I think, where uh, Hunter's probably seen this. I need to supplement my disability benefits with a personal or an individual policy. And I think there's some really good advantages uh, with doing that, not only from the tax issue Mike brought up, but also portability. What happens if I lose my job or change jobs? What happens to those work plans? You you see that happen, right, Hunter? All the time. And they don't have the ability to take it with them. Exactly. It's not, it's not, they keep their health insurance for a period of time, but they lose the life, the group term life insurance, group disability life insurance. So then on the flip side, for those people who don't have group disability coverage for their employer, you know, they have to go out on the individual marketplace. Unlike group, short long-term disability hunter, right? It's underwritten. It's pretty tough sometimes to get it, right? So it's better to get it while you're healthy exactly, yes. than to have a health condition <laughs> and have them underwrite it for it that could negate you from getting that coverage. Sure. You're more likely to have a premature disability or an early disability in your life than you are to die prematurely. That's what the numbers say. Exactly. So we talk about individual disability. There's lots of companies out there, right? So let's talk about the pros of individual disability coverage. Why is it important, Hunter, for somebody to have individual disability insurance? What's the pros? What's the benefits? Well, first off, say, for example, they leave their employer, like you guys were just talking about group disability plans, right? They can take it with them. That's a huge pro that they can have when they have their own individual disability plan. Mm-hmm. income protection plan. Another one would probably be the fact that they have control over it. So they can pick the benefit based on, of course, their income, because that's what they're protecting. They can also include other benefits that may not be available on a group plan. Right. And when we talk about that, what is maybe one benefit? I know that some of the individual disability plans, I know all by it, they're very few. Mm-hmm have what they call a return of premium benefit. I think we're all pretty much familiar with one contract out there, Mutual of Omaha's contract that does offer the ability to get 80% of your premiums yes. back in 10 years. You want to talk about that? How? Yeah. 
Yeah, so not very many companies, to my knowledge, have a return of premium benefit on their disability plan. But if you choose the right one and it's set up correctly, then you can get money back if you don't end up using that protection throughout the life of the contract or every other every 10 years that you have it in, in place. So like on Mutual of Omaha, is you get 80% of your money back, but it's also if you even have a claim. Oh, so it's 80% okay. of your money back every 10 years, less claims. So you could actually have a, you paid in $20,000 in premiums over 10 years, you had a $10,000 claim. You're still going to be eligible potentially for that 80% of that remaining $10,000 back. Wow. You have the coverage. And if right. you need it, great. If you don't, you get money back. Exactly. And then on top of that, there's another one where I haven't seen this very often with group plans, but you, the benefits will increase throughout the life of the policy. To keep up with inflation or cost of living. And group plans can add that. Sometimes they don't have that, especially on short-term disability plans. Long-term disability plans can have a cost of living feature built into them. Yeah. One of the nice things about, I think, a couple of the good quality long-term disability plans we have on the marketplace today is that some of them don't even coordinate benefits with workman's comp. They're on the job, off the job, 24-hour coverage. Mm -hmm. And that's important, right, Matt? Because if you, especially if you have an owner, a person who owns their own business and they're more than 5% owner, there's good potential they may have opted off of workman's compensation. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So now they have nothing other than applying for security disability benefits, which we haven't talked about yet, which we will. So I think that's important, making sure that you have 24-hour coverage, on the job, off the job, sickness, accident. And then contracts today, individual contracts, have even added a own occupation rider what that means basically is, and you guys are probably aware of this, is that if I'm disabled from doing the duties of my occupation, then I'm going to get be able to file for a claim mm -hmm. without having to be job placed somewhere. I don't want to sell magazines over the telephone. Right. Yeah. And coming into Social Security disability benefits, I think it's important to understand, you know, the we won't we won't get in a lot of detail about this, but Social Security's definition of disability is the inability for that person to perform any occupation which they see suited yep. for. So they can job place you anywhere. Just about. Now, we have a friend of ours. I know Hunter. Yes. Um, football player you went, you played football with. His mom has yes. had MS. Mm -hmm. She filed for Social Security Disability Benefits four times. It was declined all four times before she could hire an attorney to finally get her disability. It took two, two and a half or three and a half years. Something like that. How many people can go two and a half years without getting... Mm -hmm any social security disability benefits. And she was eventually job placed. Yes. She was a realtor that was put into a job selling vacation homes in the mountains. Is that she was in a wheelchair, computer? sitting behind a desk in a computer. Wow. I think people really need to take this seriously. Wouldn't you guys agree that this is really the primary piece you should have to protect, even if you're single, right? Yes. Because whose income are you dependent upon? Your own. How are you right. supposed to continue living? How are you supposed to eat? How are you supposed to pay your bills? You have no wife, no spouse. Exactly. No, How are no you supposed spouse, to have a, a roof over your head? And that's going back to the first thing that I mentioned, the fact that people who are single don't have anyone that depend on them really need to start thinking about this because I didn't know all that much about it until I was in the industry. And now I completely understand what's going to happen if I'm out of work for six to eight months. Well, I'm out on the street begging for coins because I don't, I don't know what else to do. Well, now, I, I'm a perfect example of that at 22 years old. I lacerated all my tendons and arteries in my right hand. I was out of work for 13 months. Um, workman's comp denied my claim. 
even I didn't though even, you were at work when it happened. Even though I was at work, I was on lunch, supposedly on lunch break. Even though I was technically not, I was still on the clock, but workman's comp said no, and they denied my claim. And I didn't even know back then how to file for social security disability benefits. And I was eventually let go by the company. They couldn't keep me anymore because they couldn't afford to keep paying me. Mm. So it, it is very real. I was 22 years old when that happened. And I went about $10,000 in debt. I lost my vehicle. I lost my apartment. I owe the IRS money. Um, so it's not a good situation. So I think to sum this up, I think people who are listening today need to understand how important your income is. And usually when I ask, when we ask people, you know this question, you know, what's your most valuable, important financial asset? Most people say their house, if they their have a house. house. Yeah. And it's not. It's the ability to earn income that's going to keep that house in place. I know Social Security Disability put over a statistic some time ago, and don't take this to heart, that it was like over 50% of all foreclosures in the United States were caused not by a bankruptcy, but because of the financial situation that arose from a medical, medical issue. I read that too. And that's that's important for people to understand. This happens every day to people. So as we kind of wrap up the disability insurance, I think the big thing is to understand if you haven't, if you don't have income protection, reach out to an advisor. We can help you find that protection, especially with that return of premium rider. You get 80% of your money back every 10 years for those people who can qualify. Mm-hmm. That's There's no other insurance product out there like that. I don't get a check back on my homeowner's insurance. Right. The cons are that, you know, you can pay premiums if you don't add that rider for 20, 25 years till you retire and cancel the policy. You never got any payment from it. And you, but that's insurance, right? Sure. It's no different paying your house insurance. My question to everybody is, if disability wasn't a good insurance policy, even if you had your house paid for and weren't required by the mortgage company to have homeowner's insurance on it, would you still keep home? Still insurance? carry it. Yeah, yeah. 99.9% of people probably would still carry house insurance. And the realistic possibility, at least in Colorado, for you to have a total loss on your house is probably very rare. So let's move into, as we wrap up here, let's move into real quick on the critical illness coverage. Yeah, what is that? It's a pretty simple product, right? Uh, Most people don't realize, I think when we talk to them, that their health insurance doesn't cover everything. And I think the biggest commercial I see on TV is the Aflac duck. That's, That's right. all they talk about on there is that your health insurance doesn't cover the expenses and Aflac's designed to protect you against that. And they do a great job. And so those supplemental coverages out there that can help you pay for those expensive rehab therapy type things from an accident or sickness or the ones that are going to cost all the money. Because mm. that's when your insurance is typically going to stop paying and you're, you're going to have to find ways to pay for that. That's right. So critical illness insurance, Matt, kind of give us a description of what critical, the base of critical illness coverage is. Sure. Well, the way I understand it, if I look at it from disability, if I have a heart attack and I'm off of work, let's say I have a disability, that might pay me, but I'm going to have to go to the doctor a lot, right? And so if I need my wife to take me, she's got to take time off work. My disability doesn't care about that. My health insurance doesn't care. So if I have a heart attack, the critical illness is going to give me a lump sum cash to help take care of all family needs. Matt, you bring up a great, you bring up a great story. So um, a week and a half ago, I got a note on Facebook that my good friend who was on the fire department with me, who was a private investigator, his wife said his hus- her husband had a massive heart attack that morning shoveling mm-hmm. snow. He's 52 years old, did not realize that he had 100% blockage in his widowmaker, which is the one that really very few people survive from. He did. They put a stint in and it collapsed. They put another stint in and it collapsed. They put another stint in and it took. 
Wow. But he's got to go through six to eight months of therapy and he's not supposed to go back to work for five months. That's from a heart attack. Now, who in the heck is going to pay him an income? He's self-employed. He's an independent private investigator. He has his own business. He can't go do private investigating right now. So that critical illness insurance, what, what would that do in, in that situation if a person had a heart attack where disability probably may not even pay him a benefit because usually disability policies, the, the disability has to last longer than 90 days, yep. right? Yep. In this case, it might. Who knows? But what would, how does critical illness differ than the disability insurance in that case of a heart attack? Sure. Well, I think the biggest piece is that it's lump sum cash payment. So it doesn't matter if I'm out of work for one week or 10 weeks, you know, it just is right. lump sum upon diagnosis. And I think the key of it is, is that, correct me if I'm wrong, Hunter, I could use that cash for whatever I want, can I? Yep. It's not a reimbursement. Exactly. So if you wanted to it's pay true. off your house or you wanted to use it to pay for income or you wanted to use it to pay down life or go on a trip or the money's yours, is it taxable matter or is it tax free? No, it's treated as health insurance as far as I'm aware of. It's tax yep. tax free benefit, cash, paid right. upon diagnosis. And right. I think it still covers what, 10, 13 different illnesses, depending on right. the type of plan you get. And what's unique about it on an individual basis, if you're self-employed and you buy critical illness insurance, you can deduct the premiums based on the current table that you have, right? Just like health insurance. Right? Just like health insurance. So that's a whole different discussion than we need to talk about today. Mm-hmm. So Hunter, what are some of the other conditions other than a heart attack that critical illness could cover you for? Well, that's a great question. And I was actually going to bring this up because it's kind of personal for me, but, and I haven't told a lot of people this before, but when I was 11 years old, I had viromeningitis. You remember this. I do. Matt, I think you knew this too, but I had a couple of seizures, ended up at Children's Hospital a couple of weeks later, and I had renal one kidney, kidney failure. Now that's not all that common that something like that happens step by step to somebody sure but kidney failure can happen and that's one piece where if i had critical illness insurance yeah i granted i was 11 years old so i probably wasn't thinking about critical illness insurance (laughs) at that point in time but if i had that say fifty thousand dollars and i had kidney failure while i was in the hospital i would have gotten a fifty thousand dollar tax-free lump sum benefit from my critical illness policy another piece is a stroke those are probably more common than kidney failure. Sure. As, as well as any type of cancer. Those and that's are just a few. Sure. And that's huge, right? We talk about cancer. Cancer doesn't discriminate, right? Mm-hmm. Cancer can be found in young children, old. infants, old, male, female, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Cancer can hit anybody. And we haven't found a cure yet for cancer. We found greater treatments. But when this policy, the definitions inside most of the critical illness policies are paid at diagnosis. And you have to meet the exact diagnosis that's outlined in the policy. But once you're once that's confirmed by a doctor and that's submitted to the company, typically that's 100% payment of benefit. So this can be a nice supplement people can have. It's not something you want to think about having heart attack, stroke, cancer. Nobody thinks nobody about that. Does. But in the event that happens and you survive and disability may not pay for cancer, you could have cancer and go in and do surgery or go in and do chemo and radiation, but you're probably still going to go to work. So the chances of you claiming the disability benefit of having cancer is not all that high, I don't think. Much lower than a critical illness. Point. A critical illness can come in and pay that lump sum benefit Just like that. to help people because people that go through the chemos and radiation, it's horrible, right? They're sick and they they may take a couple of days off of 
work because they're throwing up. Mm-hmm. So, and, and it's the emotional piece of just being diagnosed with cancer, especially a, you know, stage three and above stage four life-threatening cancer, right? Uh, one of our friends, colleagues at our work, his wife was just diagnosed stage four breast cancer last year. So having those, that coverage in place, I think is really important for disability critical illness. So hopefully as you listen today or anybody who listens in going forward to our podcast on this, um, we only have so much time in one podcast to go through the basics of this, but we encourage you to reach out to your advisor or reach out to us at Golden Wealth Solutions. Uh, You can reach us at www.goldenwealthsolutions.com. Uh, send us an email, reach out to us. We'll be more than happy to consult with you, give you some input, help you understand if this is a fit for your your protection, your planning or not. Uh, Matt, I want to thank you today for being on here. Hunter, thank you for being a guest today on our podcast. Thanks for great having me. Yeah, As we you, move forward with our future podcasts, we will be wrapping up the risk management and the foundation pieces with our last two podcasts. The next two will be issued in April. They'll be sent out as one uh, set, I guess, or different. I don't know. Taylor will work on them. I think Taylor mentioned it would be called a two for one. So okay. there'll be two separate podcasts. The one will be on life insurance, foundation planning. And then the last one will be uh, a guest that we had in our studios here, Raquin Young, who is a state planning attorney on the basis of the state planning. So we look forward to getting those out to you. Uh, reach out to us if you have any questions. We hope you have a great day, a great week. And thank you for listening in. This podcast is for educational purposes only and may include references to concepts that have legal and or tax implications and is not to be construed as legal or tax advice. Such information and or opinions are subject to change without notice and is not intended as an offer or solicitation with respect to the purchase or sell of any security, insurance product, or offer of any individual advice. Any strategy discussed may not be suitable for everyone. Securities America Incorporated does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult with the appropriate professional regarding your personal situation prior to making any financial decisions. Securities offered through Securities America Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC, advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors Incorporated, Golden Wealth Solutions, and Securities America are separate entities.